Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Another brand new edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It's Monday, January 10th. We've actually got a two-part episode because moments ago I just wrapped up an Ask Billy episode with Bill Meltzer. And we have so much, and we want to get to so many of these questions, and there's so much to talk about that can't be done briefly. So we're going to break this into two parts. This will be part one. So let's get right to the business. He joins us right now for an Ask Billy episode. It's needed. From NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com, it is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? Uh, hanging in. You know, it's uh, it seems to be kind of the, the mantra, you know. <laughs> Hanging. I can't wait till that's not the mantra. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, the Flyers are hanging in and hanging by a thread. But where I want yeah. to start before we get to ask Billy questions, and we got a good amount of them. We may have to dice this up into two episodes, as a matter of fact, because there's a lot of questions right now. But I want to start with Cam York. Because, Bill, I've often – I firmly believe that what you hear coaches and players and whoever stands at a press conference, what they say, you take with a grain of salt. Yeah. What I tend to do – is judge how somebody feels about a player, a coach feels about a player, by his actions, by the way they use them. The usage of the player, to me, is more telling than any words you can say. And the fact that Cam York played one second shy of 24 minutes, most on the team in that game uh, on Saturday night, and the fact that he's gotten over 20 minutes of ice time in every game he's played in this year, he's essentially playing top pair. We know the reason why, because there's injuries and players out with COVID, but the fact that he's getting that role in top power play as the lone point man tells me they like where he is. I like a ton of elements of his game. Didn't like how he played the two-on-one. We'll get to that. But what have you seen out of Cam York? Um, a lot of poise. Um, moves the puck very well. You know, uh, he, he's a, he gets involved up by so all, all things we knew about him. It was just a question of it translating to the pro game. I mean, truthfully, before his bout with COVID, he was pretty up and down. With the, I mean, the Phantoms as a team were got up to a terrible start this year, so that didn't help any individual player trying to feel their way, you know, at the pro level. Just when not much is going right as a team, but I mean, Cam had his own touch of struggles, and when he came back from the bout with COVID, it, it was almost like uh, yeah, it was a reset for him. And, and he had uh, he played he played well, leading you know, and uh, had a the chance to be caught up. And I mean, you know, the even. Even getting into practices with the, uh, you know, as a ta- in the taxi squad, taxi squad before he got a chance to play. I mean, you know, that's helpful too. He's looked he's looked very good in the game so far. He has looked like he belongs at the NHL level. Um, if you remember the, the end of the last season, he didn't look far away. Um, one of the things is that he looks stronger physically. Yeah, I think that that uh, that that stood out. You know, he's still. Uh, He's still going to make. There's still going to be growing pains. There's still going to be rookie mistakes. We we can talk about the two on one. Um, in his first game, there was a, another one which didn't end up in the Flyers net where he, you know, was a little too over aggressive and got caught up ice. You know, that was another two on one. But I mean, you know, that that's going to happen. You you have to live with a certain amount of that. You know, to my way of thinking, I would rather live with rookie mistakes than veterans who were, you know, kind of marginal as NHL players and nothing against those guys as guys who can play a play a role in a team or you know fill in if you need that and that but it's but as a guy you know but as a guy who has a higher upside than that a guy with a chance to to be a significant contributor you know I'd rather live with some of those mistakes and see see how he develops you know I understand why he was with the Phantoms um 
You know, I, I think that I think that with thing getting things really getting to critical mass here, you know, the I I mean I would like to see him get the opportunity to play. I don't know if when the Flyers have a full roster, he's going to stay in the starting lineup just in terms of okay, where do you pair him with? Because you don't pair him right away with Provorov, probably not. Right. They they could keep him with they could keep him with uh with Justin Braun, you know, and it, it comes back to, you know, at least until at least until he sets the record, you know, where is where's the end? Where's Keith Yano gonna play? Because he's going to set the record. I mean, yeah. uh, barring barring some positive tests for COVID or some injury, you know, and, and and he's earned the right to be able to to set that over the longevity he's had in the league, right? And just the just what it takes to get to that level. And what it means to the players in the room too. Yeah, exactly. Not just him. Said, yeah. He is right. He is such a well liked, well respected player by the coaches too, yep. as well as by the players. They they know what it takes to be in the league as long as he has. You know what, what kind of mental toughness it takes to accumulate a streak like that because nobody's a hundred percent, and he, he's he's played through a lot over the years. You know, and an assessment of his play to me is almost a separate issue. Um, but there there's no way he's going to sit until then. And the idea of a York, you know, I said, where, where do you play Yandel? If, if you keep him with, if you keep him with Braun, right? Where do you, where do you play him? And I don't, I don't know. So that's uh, that really, but I, I don't. But by the same token, I think you have to make decisions that are what's best for the team. So if you, you know, if if you go with, uh, you know, if you, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, it can you, maybe you, go Sanheim on the right side on the top pair. Or yeah, possibly, and then stand on to the right side on the second pair and put York there and put Risto on the top pair. And if, if Ellis isn't back, I mean, I don't know. The complicated part, too, is he's a left shot, right? Right, it, it, yeah, and he's pretty pretty much been exclusive playing left because you know, listen, a lot of left handed defensemen have played the right side, but his you know, he's he's played left side, so yeah. to so to the NHL level, say to adapt to playing his offside, that's a pretty big ask. Yeah. So, but I mean, I want to see him stay in the lineup. I want to see them work something out where he's playing. Um, that's not that's not going to be a long term situation. Let's let's be honest. The chances of Keith Yandel being more than a one year situation here it, yeah. are unlikely. So, yeah, you know, it's just uh, it, it's just a question of where does he get his experience in the lineup the rest of the season, and uh, you know, going forward, he's part of your top, you know, part of your top six for sure. Yeah, I mean, you want to see, you'd like to see him you know, make some of those mistakes this year. And, you know, when the team has a chance to reset on a season, then you have some of those knocked out of the way. Bill, is he one of those players? We see these players every once in a while in sports, in all sports, where they're playing at a lesser level, whether it's the AHL, the coast or college or major junior, where then they get to the NHL level and they're actually a better player than they were playing at the lower level. Because when they play with better players, they're an even better player. So maybe, you know, he wasn't wowing people in the AHL, but in the a- in the NHL, he looks much better. Is is he one of those guys that may be kind of a beneficiary of that and, you know, sending him back down? He may not look great when he's down there, but when he's at right. the NHL, he looks incredibly belonging. Sure. And at any of the AHL level, you know, you have guys who are they're good hockey players, they're pros, you know, um, but they're. You know, the reason why someone is in the AHL, if you're not, it's not a developmental thing, but if you're, you know, a, a veteran AHL player, you're either, you know, usually they're just a little, like a half stride slower. Your your hockey sense level is just a, a hair behind what the NHL guys are. You know, skilled players, very good hockey players, 
but you know there there's a there's another there's a whole other gear i think you see it sometimes with morgan frost too yeah you know i think when frost has, has played with Giroux, Giroux can read off what he's doing and, and there's a there's that chemistry there um you know he, i i think when i think when you have skilled and smart players playing with other skilled and smart players it, it takes both players to another level um, now the, the flip side of that is of course you're playing against guys who are a little faster, a little stronger, a little smarter, you know, a tad more skilled. So it's a defensive challenge too. And they're, they're trying to develop York into a complete player. So that's, yeah. that's been some of the, you know, I, I think there's some give and take to it and the, the caliber of the caliber of structure in team D in the NHL is a little better too. Yeah. So I think, I think you also have to be, be aware of there's the, the once around the league effect, which isn't all sports, right? Yep. Teams get pre-scouts on you. They, you know, they find they find what, you know, you, you find something that works. They adjust to it, and you have to counter adjust. And it's that it's that cat and mouse game, and, and the guys that, who succeed for the long haul, you know, come out on top. And 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 there's a good chance that Cam York can do that because he he is a, he is a smart player and a, and a pretty heady player too. I mean, in just just in terms just in terms of sheer hockey sense, I think that uh, I think that he has what it takes in that area. One of the areas of hockey sense and something that I saw in particular on the game Saturday is he's running power play number one. And in particular on the power play where he got his first NHL point when that puck last touched JVR was, Bill, he's never static. He no. is constantly in motion, making himself an option. And I love the two-man game that he was playing with Cam Atkinson on the half wall. Because yeah. he was moving to different spots almost every time. It wasn't back and forth with two static players. Both of them were moving, and then eventually you got the opportunity on the right side, and then it, that's when it came back to the middle and he fired the shot. Um, but but he's constantly in motion. One thing we've said about the Flyers' power play is it's way too standstill. Yeah. You know, a, a, a stationary player trying to pass to a stationary target is too predictable. And I yeah. loved that element of it as well. Yeah, and and the other, the, I would add to that also, um, the and 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 it's been something that's been lacking with the Flyers this season. We've talked about it many many times. When you are, and this this is this is in the power play too, right? Uh, generating entries, he can he can put the pass on the tape, hits a guy in stride, and it's much, I mean it's so much easier to to get entry in the offensive zone if you're skating through the neutral zone with a little bit of speed. If you're, you know, if it's stop and start and you're trying to force your way, you know, over the blue line or, or chip the puck in, it's uh, when you don't have a lot of momentum, you're, you know, not times out of 10, you're not coming away with the puck. So that that's something he's come in and, and added right away. And that's definitely one of his strengths. It's been his strength at every level. So, so I think that, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the not very many silver linings of, of this current situation has been that York has had a chance to play. Yeah. And uh, he's shown that upside that he has. Yeah, there's just a calmness with his six foot, eight foot, ten foot, fifteen foot pass. That even in five on five, I noticed it. I mentioned it in in the broadcast uh, with Brian Smith during the Flyers game on Saturday that they come through the neutral zone as a unit because the puck's not behind a guy. It's not in his feet and all those things. As far as the two on one goes, you know, he overplayed the takeaway the pass, and I, yeah. we don't know if Martin Jones is calling. I'm sure Martin's telling him give me the shot and you're supposed to give the goalie the shot, but you can't give the goalie the shot and give the attacking player that much real estate. Was, yeah, he, he, he over aggressive. Yeah. He, he, he almost turned a, uh, he almost turned a two on one into a potential breakaway because yeah. he did, he, you know, he overcommitted to taking away the pass, 
Whereas the idea is you want to get in the lane and you, if the guy decides to, I'm going at the net, you can cut him off, yep. but you're all, you're also in the lane. So he was so far over that, it, and hurdles, Turtle is a dangerous player. You know, the, the two on one was honestly, in my opinion, as much on Cam Atkinson on the front end of it, but it could have been, it could have been defended better too. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and the goalie's likely saying, give me shoot. I mean, he's yelling to give me the shooter. Yeah. But the goalie just doesn't want that pass to be an option. But it it's not a, a cause for the defenseman to then try and just mug the other player and give up all the real estate. Yeah. He ended up getting the stick in there a little bit, but it was uh, far too late at that point. And, uh, you know, you'll take those mistakes. Um, Bill, before we get to the Ask Billy questions, uh, this team, you know, they go 10 games winless. They go through a seven-game point streak. They're now losing games at an alarming clip again. What is it, five in a row at this point? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think we needed to seriously wrap our heads around the math is too difficult, and this team's just not good enough. Not not, not really as currently constructed, but the health is always going to be an issue this year. And right. I, I think we got to start really opening our minds up to, you know, it, what's going to happen here at the deadline. Yeah. Uh, you know, I unless – Unless there's a massive hot streak that starts almost immediately, right? I, I, I think see that, it. Yeah. I don't. I don't see it either. I yeah. don't see it either because because you're not going to have Ellis. You know, I, I Katrie is still kind of iffy. Is the you know? I mean, a lot of what the a lot of the roster build for this off season. You know, they're they're to me it was a promising group on paper, but it was also there also leaps of faith and risk in terms of. You know, fragile health um, and the fragile health specifically uh, to me, where well, obviously it's, it's Alice. It was also, it was also Kevin Hayes coming off of abdominal surgery because just, just experience shows that with, a, with a lot of players that it takes even, even barring getting re-injured and, and not even, not even addressing all the off ice stuff that Kevin has had to deal with with his family. It takes players usually a good half season to get their skating back close to close to its normal, you know, get really get back on top of their game. And then Kevin had that other setback in, in September where he had to have another abdominal surgery, set the clock back again. I mean, he is gutting it out, but he is clearly not a healthy player still at this point. He doesn't he, have half a step to lose either. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you, you can compensate to, to a certain degree, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, really behind a lot of plays right now. He is really struggling. And, and I mean, listen, if, uh, if Giroux and, and Katori were healthy and in the lineup, he might've taken more time, but there really wasn't that, there hasn't been that luxury, especially with Katori hurting. So yeah. I, I think that, that, uh, you know, I, I think that just the way that the construction is right now with the, with the health prospects that I agree with you, it would be very, very hard to put together the kind of run it would take to qualify for the playoffs. So you have to, you have to think about what comes next. Yeah. I mean, you have to start really digging in. I know Elliot Friedman had mentioned uh, on 32 thoughts and on Jeff Marrick's show that the Flyers are in the process of doing that kind of deep dive, asking some questions, you know, what are we, what are some of our players? He mentioned Ivan Provorov, which I was a little, I was a little yeah. taken back back considering the contract. And I know that set Flyers, a Twitter, just a blaze, um, I mean, I think that question is really relevant that he asked about what do we have here in this player when it comes to Travis Konechny, even more so than what it is with Ivan Provorov. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we could almost go player by player, but it's yeah. it, uh, because it I is think a relevant you're... question with Provorov though as well. 
it, it, it is. I mean, I, the yeah. thing, the thing with Provorov, you know, even after Ryan Ellis initially got hurt, because I mean, I don't, don't remember how many weeks it was maybe three weeks, three weeks into the season before yeah. Provorov was on the ice for a single goal against five on five. Yeah. Yeah. Five on five. Five on yeah. five. Um, he was off to a tremendous start the season defensively. And he only was, he was only with, it was only with Ellis for a portion of that time. Um, he, all the only he wasn't doing was putting up points, but you know, with, with most, with most defensemen, you know, you, you worry more about their overall play anyway than necessarily the points. And, and he got off to a great start. And then, but then we've seen that same kind of up and down inconsistency they had a year ago. And, you know, we, we said all along that you're on borrowed time with, uh, with Justin Braun on a top pair on a third pair. Perfect. Yeah. You know, he, that, that's, that's the right place to slot him. But as soon as, you know, as soon as um, Ryan Ellis got hurt and out of the lineup and has been on the lineup for a long stretch, it unbalanced your pair. So now Justin Braun is on the top pair. Now, uh, you know, now rather than Nick Sealer or, uh, you know, later on Kevin Kanon being a guy who fills in for a game or two if a guy's a little bit banged up or, or a COVID situation or whatever, um, now they're every game players. Yeah, and they're not that. You know, and, and there was all you're also banking on a, a certain performance level out of Yandel that he has not been able to you know, uphold. So now, now your entire blue line, other than the second pair, is struggling. And uh, you know, second pairs are second pair for for a reason. Um, there, there's a lot of skill, and I, I like the I like the chemistry that Travis Sanheim and Ristolainen have developed. You know, you know though that there are, you know, there's. Some inconsistencies with them. They get it's what it's like. It's like many second pairs, right? They they can play at a high level, and at other times they can get exposed for the areas that, that they're not as strong in, and that's that's the case with that pairing. So, you know, you don't have a you don't have a true shutdown pair. You don't have a truly dynamic pair, and moving the puck out of the zone has been a big big issue. Part of part of what we were just talking about with Cam York, the Flyers really struggle once you dump the puck in. Um, making that making a clean breakout out of the zone. Some of it's the forwards' fault, um, and when you're when you struggle to score, then guys have a tendency to cheat up a little higher, um, and then it becomes a longer pass. And just, just I mean, it's just it's a whole, you know, it's a whole trickle down effect. But I mean, that that to me is so much where the Flyers' systemic issues derive from their problems getting out of their zone, getting through the neutral zone, and getting into the offensive zone with a little bit of speed. Yeah, and uh, you know that now you can really see those issues now with uh, you know with all the COVID issues and and uh, you know so many guys missing from the lineup. I mean, it's been men against boys in some you know in some of these games. Yeah, it really has been a Pittsburgh game in particular. Uh, let's get to a question. Ask Billy question from Isaiah from uh, O and B Puckcast. He says, if the Flyers do decide to remake their roster in a rebuild. Who are the core pieces, and are they the same players you may have envisioned before this season started? So, you know, you got to look at, okay, where where's the value, you know, if you are selling at the deadline, where's the value around the league um, that you can, you know, you can send away? You know, obviously, Claude Giroux is in the final year of his deal. Um, we're, it's a big talking point, and Giroux, you know, he's earned the right bill to go out and, Try and battle for a cup. He's given this organization everything. He really has. He has spilled it here. Um, and if he decides to waive his no-move clause, as is his right, and they can come to a, an agreement with the team, uh, I would imagine he's piece number one. But there's others. Ristolainen's in the final year of a deal. 
JBR's yeah. got one year beyond this. I mean, there's some players there. Broussard, I'm not sure if there's a market for him, but where do they start here? Uh, well, I, I think, you know, obviously right there with Giroux. Yep. Do you do you want to finish your career here? Do you want to, you know, do you want to finish the season here? That's up, that's up to him. Yeah. Tell, tell, the, tell the balls in his court. If he wants to spend his whole career here, you know, that he's, he's earned that right. And they'll be, and they, they would come to some kind of an agreement on term and, and cap it, which is really, which is really coming in the, into the season where I thought things were, Yeah. you know, I really thought it was a question of, okay, you know, see, see how the team does, see, uh, see how he physically feels and whatever. I mean, it's just, it, but, but all with it in mind of, okay, how much cap hit and how much term, you know, um, and but but what's happened, of course, is that it's been another season too similar to last year. Yeah. And uh, you know, and they had a number of roster changes in the off season. Um, my concern is, and I, I, first of all, I think I think virtually every name on the team, you know, so save for Carter Hart, there should be uh, at least you know, okay, what would be a what would be a fair deal? What would be a hockey deal? Yeah. I don't I don't want just a bunch of draft picks. I, even if you know, you can't do that. You can't. You no. can't. Uh, and even if even if you win the lottery, I mean, I, I'm already seeing, you know, out of Buffalo, the, the should they trade Rasmus Dahlin, you know, and, and you just see you, you see that because you put you put so many eggs in the in the lottery basket, you know, and uh, let's say let's say the Rangers had not been able to get, you know, Panarin and, and Fox. Right. Let, let's say this rebuild was built around Lafreniere and Kako. The, the rebuild will be looking a lot different right now because those guys are Maybe having the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, they're having all kinds of growth. Exactly, Jer- Jersey is a great example. Yeah, you know, um, and if you and if you tear down too many pieces, you know, if if you're if you really try to build from the ground up, well, let's say uh, you know, and not that he's expected to be that kind of player, but let's say you win the lottery and you get Shane Wright, and let's say Shane Wright, you know, really becomes a, a first line NHL player in, in quick order. Right, which I don't. Th- I think he's going to need some time. But yeah. let's say let's say that he does that. You, you can look at a situation like Edmonton, where Connor McDavid has been everything he was hyped to be, right? And Ten times yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And, and and they hit they hit a home run with Drysaitel too. Yet they're still not a contender. No. You know, and how they may many not times- even make the playoffs this year? Exactly. They're they're in real trouble. Yeah. And you know, and and they've been a lottery team for for the most part, for over a decade. They, Four they, number they, ones in six years, Bill. Right. That's exactly right. Draft, you know, so so many of those first overall picks, right? And Buffalo's, in, you know, Buffalo's still trying to, yeah. you know, I mean, you have a real danger of becoming that. And before that, you know, even before them, Colorado went through a very long rebuild period. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like McKinnon came in and disappointed. And, and Landeskog was what they expected him to be. Roster building is hard, even if you're, you know, and and the Philadelphia fan base, although I think there are a lot of people saying tear it down and rebuild from scratch, I don't think they understand how long that can take. Yeah. And B that there's no guarantees. And then all of a sudden if, if a prospect or two and flyers can certainly speak to this, you know, gets injured, suffers a serious injury, misses a season, you know, sets sets the guy back. I mean, it you know, you can't predict those things. Um, you know, so it's a real a really hard decisions upcoming. Yeah. And the other part of it too is that if you—that's a good point. Damn, it's a good point you made. <laughs> and if you tear down too much, I mean, you know, how do you get any free agents coming here? You don't. You're not. Everybody wants to win, yeah. so it's uh, 
you know, I, I, I think a complete rebuild is uh, carries its whole own set of challenges. And I don't necessarily think that's where they're going. I think, I think they're, they're either going to go retool, uh, you know, or partial rebuild or, you know, aggressive and retool. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so you're looking for relief on dollars. Yeah, exactly. And then, you have you have some financial flexibility, uh, and I think that that may be the direction Chuck ultimately goes. And hopefully, yeah. you can make some hockey trades. It's so hard with it's so hard with the cap dollars, right? Yeah. Dollar, um, dollar out. So, you know, it's not like it's not like the ceiling is going to go up next season and and bail anybody out. So it's uh, it's tough. It's uh, I, I think you. So that's why I think everybody should be in play, whether it's Konechny or, or Sanheim. And of course, Sanheim signed a, signed a two year deal, and he's unrestricted. Yeah. So, you know, then you have a one more year to play with on that. Um, I, you know, I, I think you go up and I think you go up and down the roster. You know, I, I, uh, I, I would be low to trade Joel Farabee. I agree. Um, it's Justin but, Williams. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, he, he's a guy I want to continue to see the players build around. Yeah. Um, there are, there are young players there who I think have only have, have barely scratched the surface of it all. Morgan Frost being the, you know, I think every game with Morgan, I've seen him make one or two really, really nice, you know, plays to create scoring chances. You just want to see that consistency more from him. Yeah, you know, he's just, just going to need to play more. Maybe he's the same situation as Cam York, where he's got to get these mistakes out of the way. He's got to play yeah. in the NHL to to knock him off a checklist, if you will, for, for yeah. lack of a better term. I mean, yeah. the thing is, Bill, too, is like it's easy to say, tear it down, do this draft you know Shane Wright or Bedard or whoever and there's no guarantee that you're going to do that if you're the worst team in the league right and it's easy to say but do you really have the stomach for it day in day out are you ready to live it because it is not an easy thing to live and I mean (laughs) I'm gonna have to delete my Twitter account if they go full tank mode right for for three to five years but yeah and Ottawa's another team we were talking about teams that you know I mean, Ottawa, you can see they have some promising young pieces there, and there, there are hints of it, but they're nowhere, nowhere near being a you know, playoff team, let alone a cup contender. It's a long process. It means a lot of losing for a number of years. And, uh, you know, just to, just to cross over sports for a second, you know, the Sixers process, what happens is you put pieces together and you become a contender, but have you put enough there to go over the top, Yeah. right? And there's no guarantees of that. No. You know, and, and not, so you play hockey, especially, especially in hockey, exactly. Yeah. So, not you know, there, if there was one guaranteed route, a lot every team would be doing it, but it's uh, it's hard, they're very hard decisions. I, I look at a team like the Ducks and I go, That's not that wasn't a rebuild, that was a recoil, is maybe a better way to put it. Some savvy right. drafting, Jamie Drysdale, you get Trevor Zegers, you right. got a young injection into that lineup. And now all of a sudden, that's I think that's a really good team. They yeah, be playing a little over their head now, but I, I look at that as kind of the blueprint of where I would go. But but I do want like you know I see that play that you know Zegers makes to Sonny Milano, and yeah. I go that got my ass out of the seat. Yeah. I need to see some electricity and excitement, and I, I you know as good as Sean Couturier is as a hockey player, and every coach would loves players like him. He's not electric. No. They need an electric player. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's. Uh, it, it, I think you hit the nail on the head. That, that's that's a guy who you you tune in just to watch him play, yeah. right? You um, want the Leafs to fail so Marner becomes available and you find a way to get it. Right, 
Right. Yeah, because he, he's such a creative, he's such a creative player. And yeah. you know, and he can do things like, like how did he do that? Right. Yeah. You know, and and there are guys who can do that at lower levels, but to do to do those same things at the NHL level takes a takes a special kind of talent. I mean, it's uh you know, they're they're very hard players to find. I mean, you know, I would say who would be the last Flyers player after Eric has there been one since Eric Lindros who's come in and you know, you you would tune in just to watch him. I mean, Drew was a, a dominant player, but he ne- he was never like you know Lindros dominated a game. Yeah. I mean, he could be on the yeah. bench and dominate the game in a way. Yeah, and that I mean, line with Johnny LeClaire, right? But right, Drew's not that kind of player. He's an incredible playmaker and hockey IQ guy. But you're right. You, you want that guy that can grab the puck behind your net and just. I mean, we see what McDavid does. We've seen with even a player like Panarin is an electric player. Austin Matthews is an electric player. Line A, not electric enough for me. The electricity goes out too often. Right. With Marner, is electric. Provorov, Konechny, and uh, a, a first in 2024 for Mitch Marner. You in? Well. Money matches? Seeing... Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of, okay, what do you, you know, how do you replace those minutes on D? If yeah. you're, you're you take, I, I, you know, you take Provorov out of, you're not getting a trade. So it's, you know, yeah. that, that, that's the problem there. You know, I, I would need to know what the plan is on D to go with that. But, you know, but Provorov's that contract's is, good and Konechny's is good if he can be A Konechny and not D Konechny. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I, listen, the Flyers could, could absolutely trade Travis Konechny. There would be teams that would take him. Mm-hmm. I, I think Travis just really, you know, we've we've been talking. Unfortunately, you know, before the COVID thing, it was always okay. Get him a goal, and and you'll see, you know, you'll see him get on a nice little run. We've seen that with other guys. Yeah, with many guys. It's not not just on the Flyers. You know, unfortunately, Travis was still in that situation where, you know, the the confidence just that that you know, and not not getting involved, not agitating. Those 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 are all part of his game. But just just the confidence that when he had the puck in scoring position, you know. Um, you know, and, and actually when he was on that, you know, I mentioned Frost because it's as, as, as sporadic as Morgan has been in, in a lot of ways, you know, he's probably lost three assists on, on plays. He said it for connecting or Travis just didn't finish. Them. Yeah. You know? So it's, uh, you know, I, so, but it, it's, well, I'm uh, going to replace Provorov for you. Okay. Because I'm also going to trade Igor Zamula, uh, a first round pick in 2023, which is a stacked draft. This is dangerous. Yes, it is. But it is lottery protected. And I'm going to, I'm going to put Morgan Frost in there and I'm going to get Chikrin. I would do that. So now I have Ellis went healthy as my right side, Chikrin. I have Sandheim and Ristolainen. and I'll re-sign Ristolainen and if I don't trade him at the deadline, if not, I'll replace that. And then on my third pair, I'll have Justin Braun and Cam York. Cam York eventually move into my top four in particular, if Sandheim leaves when he becomes an unrestricted free agent. And, you know, I, then I got to find a bottom six defender, you know, a right. five, six D man. But I have Ellis and Chikrin. I have Ristolainen and York or Sandheim, Braun and another left side defender. And I have Mitch Marner up front. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I would do that. And you said if it's lottery protected, then it becomes a 2024 first rounder. Well, you so. traded that though for Marner. I already traded that one for my, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll trade the 2022 okay. first, which might be pretty high, but lottery yeah. protected again. <laughs> okay. 
I got a lot going on here, Bill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, somebody... Are you moving? Are you moving Giroux in this scenario where you're probably going to get a conditional first rounder out of it? Bill, it kills me to say. Yeah. But I am, and I'm going yeah. to Claude, and I'm saying, I, I, look, I think I don't have any inside knowledge here. I have not spoken to Claude about it. We have not communicated about it. But I just think that this is a situation where he's a competitor, and yeah. I, I think there's about a 95 percent chance. If the team is out of it, which I think we all know what the answer to that is, yeah. that he will waive that no move clause, and I think he yeah. will, yeah, you know, uh, try yeah. to pick a destination that makes sense for him and his family. You know, when when we did our preview show the season, and I said, you know, I didn't even want to fathom worst case scenarios because it was something like this. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, we don't want to uh, talk about it because then it becomes it could happen. Yeah, <laughs> it, uh, you know, and and it just. Uh, yeah, but it. I mean, that's that's just that's just a reality of, of where the team is. You know, the again, the the wrench in the works is that. And listen, I mean, players, everybody wants to win a Stanley Cup, and and I know Claude Giroux craves winning a Stanley Cup. It's the one thing he's never done in his career. He got close. He got close early in his career. His second NHL season, he was actually an important part of that, which people forget. You know, his his uh, his coming out party in the NHL was the 2010 playoffs. Yeah, you know. And and he had that big playoff in 2012, also uh, when the Flyers beat the Penguins. But uh, the Flyers have not really been close since then. I mean, it, it's up to Claude. But I mean, players have other things to consider too. Family, you know. Now his family's young, so it's yeah. it's not like he has kids that are already in school here and, and those kind of things. Yeah, integrated you know, in the sixth grade, right? <laughs> right, right. It, it, then then it becomes a you know, but potentially other other considerations come into play too. Yeah. It's just it's uh, but I, I think you have I think you have to be open to everything. I just, uh, you know, I, I think you have to be bold. And I think, you you know, again, I think you have to stop short of, of just tearing everything down and getting a bunch of draft picks, because I I think that's a good way to stay at the bottom for a long time. I agree. So. Thanks to Bill Meltzer. That is part one of Ask Billy. Part two coming tomorrow. And we'll bring it to you on a brand new episode of Flyers Daily. Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh